Hello and welcome to Christian Deep Dive. Today I'm going to talk about a subject that's, uh, <clears throat> well, it bothered me at first when I first read the scripture. And that is where Paul in the book of Romans, uh, chapter 9, verse 3, he says, For I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off for Christ for the sake of my brothers, my own flesh and blood. And of course, he's talking about his Jewish heritage. And uh, I love the book of Romans. In fact, I think if I was stranded on a desert island and somebody said you could only have two books of the Bible, I would pick, pick the Gospel of John and I would pick the Gospel of Romans because I just think there is just so much theology in both of those books, things that we need to know. Uh, Romans is a book where Paul just goes through in those chapters and just dissects everything that we really need to know and understand. Um, I just think it's a tremendous book because he explains the whole method of salvation and all, all the things that we need to know. But this one scripture here where he says, for I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off for Christ for the sake of my brothers, my own flesh and blood. Boy, it took me a while to really fully understand that. But I think to fully understand it, and we're going to dive into it here on Christian Deep Dive. Um, let's look at Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 10. And I'll read it out. For Moses describes the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which does these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is faith speaks on this wise, Say not in your heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is, who shall bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in your mouth, even in your heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach that if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Because with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Now the reason I picked this particular scripture to go into this is because Paul is essentially in this scripture here putting out two preachers. One that's talking about salvation by the law and one that's talking about salvation through faith in Christ. And keep in mind, the Jews, if you read through the Old Testament, the Jews were the chosen people. They were given the law of God. And because of that, they thought they were quite special. And they were quite special. They were the only ones that were given the law. But the law was given to them basically to show them how they can't meet it. It's God's holy standard. It's what God demands. And they basically, if you go through, and I don't have time in this particular podcast to give you all the scriptures for it, but if you, if you have any understanding of the Old Testament, you'll understand that they were kind of proud and haughty. Why? Because they had the law. They felt just because they possessed the law and God gave them the law, that basically that meant that they were... Uh, meeting the laws in some cases. Now, in, in other cases, they greatly expanded the law. They went way beyond what God had said. Of course, when Jesus comes, he gives the Sermon on the Mount and he shows them quite pointedly that they weren't keeping it because he was showing them that even if they thought of things or did things in their heart, that they weren't meeting the law. They weren't meeting the intent of the law and they never could meet the law. And so I think that's an important facet that we need to understand. So the Jews essentially thought that by having the law and keeping it, because they were under the illusion that they were keeping it, because they were concerned by keeping it outwardly, 
that they that was the path to salvation. So when Jesus comes along and talks about how and gives the you know gives the new interpretation of this and gives the fact that you can't meet it, I'm going to meet it for you. I'm going to live a perfect life and I'm going to die as an atonement for your sin. That was a huge stumbling block. They couldn't understand it. And here again in verse 10, or I'm sorry, in chapter 10, in the scripture that we just read, verses 5 through 10, uh, Paul is pointing out, again, Moses gave you the righteousness which is of the law. In other words, the man who does these things shall live by them. So if you want to choose that way, okay, here's the law. You've got to live by it perfectly. You can't miss it once, and that is your salvation. Of course, that's impossible. And then he gives the other way down here that confessing the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that the God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved for with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's why I say the scripture is showing two different ways, two paths, uh, two different ways to be saved. And of course, the only way that is possible is through believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. But the Jews didn't get that. Paul himself didn't get that. What was he doing before he was knocked off his high horse on the road to Damascus? Well, he was flouting the law. He was concerned about what the Christians were saying about salvation through faith in Jesus. He was pushing this whole thing about living by the law. He thought he was living by the law. And he was horrified to find out he wasn't even coming close. And it took Jesus intervening, choosing him to be his apostle where he totally now has gone to totally the other way and, and is preaching salvation through Christ alone. Can you see how relevant this is to today, even now? Um, there's many people out there who think that a Christian is someone who set out on a great quest for truth and for reality. To them, that's Christianity. They don't even mention Christ when you talk to them. They just say, I'm just looking for truth. I'm looking for reality. Um, but they're trying to find it basically by moral standards because we live in such an immoral world today. And I think the Apostle Paul is simply trying to say when he says you don't have to ascend up into heaven and bring anything down or go into the depths to bring something up. He's saying it's right here. The truth of Christ is right here. You don't need to do this. And yet a lot of the popular books I see, self-help books and things like that that are out there, say we live in the uh, scientific age, the atomic age, if you will. Uh, and so, you know, we can, we can figure things out. We can go way beyond what the Bible says. But Paul is saying, no, there's really no difficulty. You don't have to do that. The truth is right here. It's right in front of us if you'll only take it and accept it for what it is. You see, we don't have to go find a savior or go looking for him. He's right here. We don't have to, quote, ascend into the heavens to bring him down. Neither do we have to go down into the abyss to bring him up again from the dead. Um, we don't have to struggle to find him or lay hold of him. <clears throat> Some people have said, yeah, the Lord Jesus Christ is the savior, but how do I get a hold of him? What a tremendous task it is to do it. And the Apostle Paul is really saying the Savior is not difficult to find. He's not somewhere far away. He's with you. He's at hand. Now, how can I say this? How can we be so sure of this? Because, well, again, if you keep studying what Paul is saying here, according to Paul, there's no need for us to, to do some of the things that we think we have to do. The scripture says, when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, 
made under the law. And that's Galatians 4.4. 4. And again, of course, we're familiar with this one. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14. So again, you don't have to go down into the depths to bring him up again from the grave. Coming into the world and bearing our burden, it cost him his life and he was buried in a grave. And I think Paul also said, Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. You see, man failed to keep that law. Remember the two preachers at the beginning of this with our scriptures. Man has failed to keep the law. Man at his best has failed to keep it. It is very best. We need someone more than man to keep the law. Where can I find them? You don't have to go searching. Like I said, he's right there. Jesus has come. The only one who's ever kept the law has already done so. And there was a penalty for breaking the law, which was death. And that's true. He paid it. He died on the cross for our sins. So you don't have to do anything all. It's been done. And again, the Jews thought they had to keep the law. There's some today that think they have to keep the law. But what about people you see out on the street? Again, I'll repeat myself. They think they just have to live a good and moral law moral way. That's no different than thinking that you have to keep the law. So that is the message of the gospel, Paul says. That is the word of faith which we preach. It was an old message preached to the Philippian, Philippian jailer in Acts 16.31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your house. And Paul and Silas explained to him the word of God right in front of his whole family. Now this guy was probably not a man of great intellect or understanding, but he was able to believe. Now let me say there's some very subtle denials of this thing I'm talking about. The two that I've referred to are open and obvious. When the obvious one, of course, the Jews is a very obvious one, trying to keep the law, saying you can, you know, stir up your own righteousness by following the Ten Commandments, all the other and all the other laws that are in Leviticus and Numbers and the like. There's people today that say they can make themselves Christians. That we are a Christian nation. Uh, that uh, that means we're Christians. There's no difficulty to them. They say they, uh, they, they they don't really understand the gospel at all. They just think, again, if they're a member of a church and they're being good, nice, and moral, and they're not like people that they see in the newspapers and see on TV that have been arrested and are criminals. I mean, again, I've met people like this. They just say, oh, I'm basically, how often have you heard someone say, I'm basically a good person? And then there's some other people that are, uh, especially with this new age thing going on, I call them the mystics. What is their teaching? Well, I'm just going to lump them all together. There's so many cults and isms and schisms out there. But a lot of them, uh, some of them say, well, we believe a lot of the great doctrines of the Christian faith and that, but they put it aside and they still try to save themselves. Uh, what they want is they want to arrive at the knowledge of God or face the inner light, as they say, they want to go try, they add to it. They want to try to go beyond what Jesus is, beyond what he is. Uh, it involves perhaps some people, not that fasting is wrong, but I know some cults that get into really long-term fasting because they're trying to cross the inner way or the inner light, say prayers at certain times, um, get into a, a point where they can just transcend themselves and all that type of stuff. So they're adding, adding, adding to what they think is important to find to find God. And a lot of them are very honest and sincere, but the answer to them, as well as to the Jews, is the same thing. It's unnecessary. 
Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Paul and Silas did not say to the Philippian jailer, Look, we'll set you off on a journey on a mystic way. You can start now. It'll involve this and that. You must do this and this and this. Nope, not at all. He said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Now, there's others that are just as guilty as these New Age mystics. The gospel is always contemporary. And, of course, I was raised this way in the Roman Catholic Church. Um, Martin Luther saw the error there. And I got to say what he saw was that the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church has been a denial of these verses I'm talking about in Romans 10. And it's still a denial as far as what I can see. It's just, and what do, what do I mean by that? Well, that's going to disturb a lot of people. Paul said that the word of faith which we preach says that you don't have to go up into the heavens to try to get a hold of him or down to the depths. We've already talked about that. He's here with you. He's at hand. No, says Roman Catholicism, the Lord Jesus Christ is very remote. I remember I was being told Jesus is far away and we've got Mary and the saints that we can talk to. You know, since he's so far away and he's God and he's just so far from what we are, we need someone to get to us to get to him. Who can we get? Ah, yes, his mother. And that's precisely what they say. She's a woman. She's tender. She understands us. She'll have influence with him. Let's ask her to help us. So they put her between him and us. And, you know, it's almost like I felt like he's so far away from us in the heavens, I couldn't even talk to him and that they've banished him because they say that Mary is necessary first. So when you go into the average Roman Catholic church, what do you see? You see Mary and somewhere behind her, there he is on the cross or look at the pictures. Most often Jesus is represented as a baby that she's holding. So from what I saw, Mary is always central and prominent. And this is an utter denial of what's being taught by the Apostle Paul. We don't need her, nor do we need the saints to pray to. There's no need to pray to them or borrow merit from them for their works of uh, sainthood, for what they were allegedly elected to. And all those people that are in heaven, such as Mary, who was a very favored and blessed person on this earth, I'm not going to take away from that at all. I can't wait to meet her. But she would be appalled that people are going to her instead of right to her son. I know she would just be very upset by that. But the Roman Catholic Church says all these things are essential to salvation. It talks about the sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper are absolutely essential. It says his body is in the bread itself that you've got to eat of him literally. And the church alone can administer that sacrament. The priesthood alone can work this miracle. And not only that, Roman Catholics say that the church alone can expound the scriptures. Don't go reading your Bible on your own. Come on Sunday, listen to the gospel reading, but you can't understand the scriptures. So don't go reading the Bible on your own. We will interpret it for you. And also, in addition to the, what the Bible says, you've got to do penances and make great sacrifices. You need the uh, sacrament of last rites at the end so that hopefully you can get into a place called purgatory. Uh, otherwise, your whole destiny is doubtful. It's a tremendous problem, uh, this problem of salvation. Again, it's adding to what is said in the scripture about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. I'm sure the thief on the cross uh, you know, didn't have to go through all that since he died shortly after Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise. 
So you can't be misled, unfortunately, by niceness. You gotta realize what the doctrine says, and you'll see as Luther saw that it was a denial of the plain teaching of scripture, and it held him for years in darkness, bondage, and misery. And then he saw the light that it's by Christ and Christ alone. Now, to be perfectly fair, I want to be perfectly fair. Let me end this by saying that those who make it difficult from a purely intellectual standpoint to understand the gospel, and this is where a lot of Protestant churches or people are guilty of, um, a lot of people say, well, you need to have a, be enlightened. You have to have a whole understanding and understand the message. Um, well, how is that true? Then what's the point of sending out missionaries to people? Uh, you aren't saved by intellectualism. The Holy Spirit provides light and understanding when the gospel message is preached. When the cross is preached, then understanding comes by the Holy Spirit to those who he has called. And yet Protestant religions will add things as well. They'll add things such as, oh, well, we think you have to be baptized this way, or you should belong to this particular uh, church, or that this, that, and the other thing. Not quite as much, but I certainly have seen it happen and heard it happen. So let's be careful then, no matter what you belong to, that you don't add or subtract to the basic gospel message, Ephesians 2.8. By grace you're saved through faith and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. So let's not add to anything. This is not a difficult thing. We don't want to be like Paul and keep mourning uh, <coughs> for, well actually, I take that back. Uh, Paul was mourning for the condition of of the Jewish people, and I'm sure we still mourn for people that we know that are trapped in false religions, false beliefs, false understanding, simply not looking at the true Christian gospel as it's preached. But there's nothing we have to do but believe as the Philippian jailer did. Let us understand that the common people heard Christ gladly. And let's never forget what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, quote, from 1 Corinthians 1.26, You see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men are called. Thank God that we don't have to drag him down or lift him up. He's done it all. He's come. He's done the work. And yes, he's risen again. You may say, I don't understand fully. I've got so much conflict, so much doubt. It doesn't matter. Go as you are. Cast yourself alone on Jesus Christ if you feel called. He will receive you. And again, what a tragedy that the Jews as a whole and society in some cases in this world as, as a whole is rejecting this and they're attempting the impossible, living by their own standard, living by their own ways, living by what, you know, they've created God in their own image. How monstrous, how blind that is. You only have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You might be at the very jaws of hell and though you might be the vilest of sinners, Though you may have no intellect, no brain, nothing, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ now, you shall be saved. That's it. Believe the word of God. Salvation is by faith. Justification is by faith, by faith alone. Some may say that, uh, in closing, some may say that, boy, you've really been hard on uh, <clears throat> the Roman Catholic Church. I only know a lot about it because I was raised in it, and so I knew where I was holding my beliefs in and what I was taught by people that were very sincere and, and thoroughly understood it but 
boy, to get to Jesus, I had to wade through a bunch of Mariology and saints to get there. And so it's just the same way in some of the cults, some of the isms and schisms, again, in some of the Protestant churches where people believe they're saved because they belong to a church or they're saved because, you know, their grandfather built the church there and they're still there and they do this and that and they serve on the board and they don't even mention atonement by the blood of Christ. So it doesn't matter what your background is. What I'm trying to say, this is going out to people all over the world from what I've seen in the data for this podcast. And so it's going out to people of all races, all tongues, all different belief systems. I'm simply saying whatever your background is, I'm not trying to pick on any one over the other because if you don't believe in the atoning work on the cross of Jesus Christ and that he died for our sins, uh, then you're in the wrong thing. You're, you're, you're not, you've got you've to wade through it all and come to the simple message of the gospel. And that is how you are saved. And that is how we will see each other in heaven. God bless you.